Well, hello again, guys. Brian Decker here with Dollars with Decker. Thank you so much for tuning in right here on The Answer AM 590. And just for those of you that are tuning in for the first time, what this show is all about is teaching you guys everything you should have been taught in high school and college on how to manage your money, the different ways to invest it, the different ways to grow it, and how money is changing. I cover everything from crypto to real estate investing to different entrepreneurial habits that'll really help your business grow. Now, what we went over last week was we really painted the picture of why Bitcoin came into existence, why there is a need for Bitcoin, and basically how it works. Now, in today's episode, what we're going to be going over is explaining what the crypto space is general, what gives crypto their value, what gives money its value, and going over on not everything is going and trying to be a currency. That's what people don't understand about crypto. They think, oh, why are all these things, why are all 7,000 cryptocurrencies all trying to be money? And they're not. That's like saying every single website on the internet is trying to be Amazon. No, absolutely not. I mean, look, you have so many websites that are, you know, for processing, you know, payments like PayPal. You have others that are for interacting socially. You have others that are going ahead and purchasing like Amazon. You have others that are going ahead and just expressing people's thoughts and opinions, right? And that's what you got to think of the cryptocurrency space is even though cryptocurrency is basically all that that is, is the currency or cryptography is what it's basically called is not the same as what Bitcoin is. Bitcoin is used, it's a blockchain technology using cryptography. Now, and what you really want to understand specifically is, is why do we need crypto in this world? So first, let's go ahead and figure out what gives cryptocurrencies their value, right? So like, why is cryptocurrency their value? People say, well, Bitcoin is no more valuable than a rock and everything's trying to be cryptocurrency and this and that. So Let's go from a very ground level and let's break down the major types of categories of cryptocurrencies. So one category you have is basically what's called a store of value. And what that basically is, is it is something like digital gold. So what you need to understand about a store of value is the US dollar and fiat currencies. And what a fiat currency is, is it a currency that is not pegged to anything, right? So meaning the US dollar was pegged to gold, meaning as I went over last week, $1 equated to $1 worth of gold. But then basically when World War II was happening, we basically had to remove ourselves or basically water that standard down. And then in 1971 with the Bretton Woods, we completely removed ourselves from that. And obviously all your major you know, global currencies around the world the biggest problem with them is due to countries printing their money, trying to print their way out of debt or using other methods to kind of devalue their currency, this has caused the purchasing power to decrease on average, you know, for major global powers, let's call it here in the US, 2 to 3% per year, right? That's called inflation. That is the rising of the cost of goods and services compared to the dollar. So think of it this way. Just for a stock to grow 7% in actual growth per year, meaning earn 7% on your money, it would actually need to really rise about 10 to 
Because right now in the U.S., depending on who you believe, they're saying inflation's around 4%. Realistically, based on the last month's readings, I mean, realistically, once people don't realize is in the inflation, they remove housing and they move remove fuel. So you take the two biggest expenses from you know an individual American, which is their housing and their fuel expense, and you remove it out of inflation, well, you get a really fake watered down number. But let's just pretend we're going to use their 4% number, which is nonsense. A stock if you want to grow 7% per year, really needs to go up 11% because that dollar every year is losing 3 to 4% of its buying power. So for a stock to actually grow and create wealth for you, it's got to outpace the losing value of that currency. If my dollar only buys me 96 cents worth of goods this year, well, that dollar has to rise in value 11 cents or 11%. So even though I'm losing 4 cents because goods and services are rising so much, I'm still left with a 7% increase in my wealth. And so where cryptocurrency and Bitcoin in particular originally came about in Shatoshi's white paper was after the major financial crash of 2008. And they saw that the way all of the governments around the world basically just printed a bunch of money and bailed everything out. And it realized how manipulated our money system was. And all of a sudden, the US and all these other countries, their debt increased so substantially in regards to the amount of money that country was generating through their GDP or basically the revenue a country brings in from importing and exporting goods. And so this was the reason we decided, you know, or we as a, a group of individuals out there that love, you know, or kind of Bitcoiners or like cryptocurrency said, hey, we need a better store of value rather than the store of value we have losing. We want something that can maintain its purchasing power. And how would something be done? Well, we've got to have it be you know, real, true value, a store of value. And so Bitcoin came out and Bitcoin is the really only true store of value type of cryptocurrency. There's a limited supply at 21 million. They release slowly over time and they're released to miners basically who run basic supercomputers to solve complex mathematical problems to verify transactions that are taking place on the network and are rewarded with Bitcoin. Basically saying, hey, you know, this payment system is moving across from one person to the other. We verify this. We solve these mathematical equations and then we are rewarded for our work in the form of Bitcoin. And then every, you know, approximately four years, the amount of Bitcoin released Every 10 minutes to these miners gets cut in half. So it becomes less and less supply being released every 10 minutes. But the, the work it takes to solve these complex problems becomes much more difficult. So it becomes more difficult, but you're getting paid less for your work, therefore propping up the price of it. And we have a finite supply. And so now the reason why Bitcoin is not going to replace the dollar, but is more going to be a digital gold is because Bitcoin isn't nearly as fast at processing an exchange of money across the network, you know, as some of the other, you know, cryptocurrencies out there. So that's why it's treated more like a digital gold. And now one of the things that's very, very important to note on why this is such an important store of value compared to other cryptocurrencies is when a cryptocurrency is launched, whether you call it like an initial coin offering or a project comes about, you want it to be a fair distribution, meaning this, if I'm going to launch a cryptocurrency and I said, okay, there's going to be 21 million coins in existence, but I'm going to start out by giving myself 10 million of them. And then the other 11 million, you guys can all fairly mine. 
that's not a really fair advantage, right? No. What you want to do is you want everybody to start at the same spot so that the, the supply of it is not favored to one individual or not. That we all have the exact same equal opportunity to mine for Bitcoin and have the same chances that we are not being front-loaded, right? It's like if Microsoft launches and, you know, they keep all the stock, you know, for themselves and they only reach a very small percentage to the public. Well, guess what? That person that owns all that stock has the ability to sell a lot of the stock and flood the market with it and drive down the price. And so that is why Bitcoin itself is a very great store of value, is it is a very even supply that is being released fairly. It started with zero coins going to one individual, the individuals that had the biggest wallets put in the biggest amount of work. And that is why Bitcoin is known as what they call as a store of value cryptocurrency. It is designed to preserve the purchasing power of your money. So rather than losing three to 4% of your buying power of your US dollar that is backed by nothing and that an individual can just, aka the US government can flood the market with it at any time and lose its purchasing power. It was designed to bring about sound money. So that is what a store of value currency is. And that was the first type of cryptocurrency that was out there. And even though the word has cryptocurrency in it, don't make the mistake that not everything's trying to be a currency. So once again, for those of you guys that are just kind of tuning in right now, I'm breaking down for you guys how crypto actually is worth anything, what brings crypto its value and what types of cryptocurrencies are out there, right? So I just went over the store of value category. And realistically, that's one that Bitcoin really dominates. It was the first to market. It's the most widely adopted. It's one of only two cryptocurrencies that are actually traded by institutions and or held on large corporations balance sheets to preserve their purchasing power of their wealth. Now, the next type of cryptocurrency that you know about is the one that I believe personally is going to have the largest market cap. Now, this cryptocurrency is one that is going to be, or type of cryptocurrency is the one that's going to be changing the world. And this is called smart contract crypto. Think of it as like programmable money. Okay. So think of it right now. Everybody listening to this, whether you're listening to it on, you know, streaming on a podcast or watching it on YouTube, you know, you're basically listening to it on the radio, you're watching it on some type of application, right? And now that application is owned and controlled likely by some giant tech giant, right? Whether it's YouTube, it's controlled by Google, whether it's a, a streaming service, you know, controlled by like Spotify, all of these things. Now, these applications aren't secure, meaning you, you know, your data, that institutional tech giant has it and they maintain it on large, large servers out there. Now, what you have to understand is for these smart contract cryptocurrencies, which there's quite a few of them, some of the most memorable names you've probably heard of is Ethereum, Cardano, Polkadot, Solana, and Ethereum was the first of its kind. And the way you really have to understand the way it works is, is as I was saying, if you're listening to this over some type of streaming service or some type of application on your you know, iPhone or you know, over the radio or whatever it may be. Your, you give your personal information, like your name and your address to the company online to, to, you know, to start the service. And then you are, all that information is held on, you know, a computer system, like a server, right? You know, companies like Microsoft and Google, you know, run them on behalf of the companies you do business with, aka Google running on behalf of YouTube and such. 
And the current way of doing business is, is very convenient, but it has two really big downsides of it. One, there's insanely high fees that are running these systems, okay? And those fees are earned by these large tech giants that not only have all of your information, but also charge you for using those services. And those personal information is very vulnerable for being hacked, okay? Very vulnerable. And so in 2013, a programmer by Vitalik Buterin and a bunch of others created a new technology called Ethereum to try to kind of change how the internet works. And it was so revolutionary because for the first time, it allowed online computers to run without any third parties, okay? So think of it this way. It is what is called a smart contract and there's no middleman that is needed. So in essence, when one task is done, another task is done, whatever the terms of that contract is done is automatically completed and you can never, ever, ever stop it. So the great thing about those smart contracts is they can never be modified. Once it's created, it can never be shut down. And you don't have to worry about an individual hacking it, an individual owning your information and your data because it is decentralized. This information is spread across millions of computers and no one single entity owns those computers. So what the great thing about those smart contracts are is because there is no middleman, no one is taking money. It is peer to peer, peer to peer. So think of it this way. Right now, the internet, is a highway and data travels across it, but it really, that data gets parked in garages. And those garages are places like Google, places like Facebook, places like Apple. And that's where the actual data all sits. And now Apple, to retrieve your information using, call it the internet as that highway or that network, doesn't have to pay anything to that highway or that network. It doesn't have to pay anything at all. It's not like it's paying the internet. The internet isn't owned by anybody. They make all the money by charging you to, to actually use their applications that are stored on their servers and they have all of your information and they use that, they sell it and they sell you all those different things. Now imagine if when the internet was getting started, you had the ability to buy a share in the internet and that every time anybody sent information across that internet, that, that whatever that company was utilizing the internet, Facebook, Microsoft, Apple, they had to pay the internet, which was owned by all of us, a fee. And now that internet fee basically went in and was distributed to rise up the value of the internet stock. Meaning every time Facebook recalled information or people used information on Facebook or advertisers wanted to advertise, all of that information of retrieving data and sending it back and forth across the internet from your personal computer to Facebook servers, they had to pay the internet and that was a $5 fee to pay it. And all those fees that all built up, those fees then went into a company and that company's revenue was able, and that company was a public company, but that public company, you had an ability to own a share in, and those shares could be owned by every single individual in the world. And the profit from that company that was generated was split amongst anybody that owned these shares. And not one single person owned the internet, that every single individual that believed in the internet could own a computer 
and they would verify transactions across the internet. And they cared so much about keeping the internet secure because if they didn't, the value of those shares in the internet would plummet, right? Like, you know, Bill Gates wants to make sure that Microsoft and Outlook work well, because guess what? He has the biggest amount of money to lose because if all of a sudden all Microsoft stuff starts stinking, what happens? His stock plummets and he uses he loses a ton of money. Now, you and I don't really care if our Microsoft works well because we own such a teeny tiny percent of it. It doesn't really make a difference, right? So Ethereum basically and these smart contracts, they are the internet of two or call it internet 3.0 or web 3.0. And now every single transaction that utilizes this decentralized internet where nobody owns your data, okay? Nobody owns it. You're not having any single person own it because there is no company that owns it. It's called a smart crime. It's blockchain technology. And every single transaction that takes place gets recorded on a ledger. And you don't have to worry about anybody cheating you because guess what? If you decide that you want to buy, let's say you want to go in, you want to lend somebody money and you say, hey, you know what? I want to lend you money. I'm willing to go ahead and give you $100,000 if you give me $150,000 of Bitcoin as collateral. Well, guess what happens? The second that they deposit that $150,000 in Bitcoin as collateral in a wallet, that is nobody owns that wallet. Let's say it's, you know, it's a decentralized dApp. Guess what? My $100,000 that I told you I would lend you on that one fifty dollars is automatically sent to you. I can't stop it. I can't prevent it not from going. And then when it says, hey, guess what? For every month that you have this $100,000 I lent you out, you've got to pay me 6% interest annually. And so every month, automatically, either by using, by selling some of your Bitcoin that you put up as collateral or automatically drawing a payment from some type of payment source that you had or drawing it from your Ethereum wallet, and I am paid interest. There's no middleman that has to approve this. There's no middleman that is taking a fee, that it is a simple peer-to-peer lending and borrowing where I, as the lender, get to make 6% interest on my money. And you, as somebody that wanted to borrow the money, didn't have to go and get into a bank and pay all these bank fees and take all these weeks and weeks and weeks to do it. And you are borrowing at an interest rate that is far lower than a personal loan and you're borrowing it against your collateral. And you do not have to worry about anybody stealing that money, taking that money and all of that. Well, it sounds pretty cool, right? Well, that's what Ethereum does is it allows these smart contracts to exist. And when you put a bunch of these smart contracts in place, it's called a decentralized application or a DAP. And these DAPs are available for lending, for borrowing, for gambling. There's no middleman. There's nobody taking any fee. And the value they get is from their utility from payment. For an example, the as more and more individuals like just like more and more people, if they use more and more companies, use the internet and they had to buy an internet token to pay for their use on the internet, what do you think would happen to the value of that internet token, the more and more and more people that needed to buy the internet token to run their transactions on the internet? Well, that's exactly what Ethereum is. So the more and more people that start to realize, hey, you know what? Screw keeping all my money in the bank. Why don't I go ahead and take my money and actually convert it to a U.S. stable coin, meaning I take $100,000 and I convert it to a stable coin, which means that stable coin is dollar for dollar. And I can take those stable coins and I can put them on a platform 
and I can lend it out completely security to another individual who's going to pay me 60 times what my bank pays me for keeping in there. And it reflects the exact value of the dollar. And I don't have to worry about, you know, it fluctuating up and down like a cryptocurrency. Now, if you guys are just tuning in, I just am going over the different types of cryptocurrencies. And I've covered so far the store value, which is Bitcoin. I've gone just briefly into smart contract cryptocurrency, which is basically programmable money, basically, that are decentralized and all the utility that can be done from it. Now, things like Ethereum, things like Cardano, things like Polkadot, things like Solano, you know, things like Binance Coin and BNB. There's a lot of different, and there's a lot of competition in this space, just like there's a lot of competition in the space of when you had search engines initially, you know, Yahoo and AOL and then Google. And so you don't know who's going to win because we're still early in the game, but you knew search engines is a pretty smart thing, right? And that's what smart contracts are. They are a very smart thing that will come about and you need to spread your investment. If you want to know which one to put it in, you know, the front runners pretty much are going to be Polkadot, Ethereum, and Cardano. Now, Ethereum has definitely a first mover advantage, but as some of the downside of our first mover advantage is it's not quite as scalable and as efficient as something like Cardano is. So, you know, as don't take this as financial advice, but one of the favorite, you know, personal ones that I really have, and I weight my portfolio, about 70% of my portfolio is split up in smart contract plays. So I own a lot of Ethereum. I own millions of dollars worth of Ethereum. I own probably about 40% of my portfolio is Ethereum. Probably 20% of my portfolio is Cardano. Um, and then about 25% is Bitcoin. And then the other 15% is split among some lending platforms like Aave or Maker or um, smart contract plays like Solano and some of those. Now, the third of the five types of cryptocurrency you know, types of cryptocurrency or categories. The third is Oracle. And now what an Oracle cryptocurrency is, and this will be the last one I'll be able to cover in this show. And then next week, I'm going to be going over the, the next th two really stores, or excuse me, two types of categories for cryptocurrencies and how to kind of personally weight that profile is something called an Oracle. So think of it this way. This brings real world data to smart contracts, right? Now, what we don't want to have happen is, is right now, right? Facebook, if they want the weather, they're pulling it from probably weather.com's API. They're basically, there's a bunch of information stored on centralized servers that are owned by a company and Facebook pays money to have an API that sends this information out, grabs the information and uploads it, makes it pretty and puts it up on Facebook, right? They're kicking real world data. And you're basically, if you're trying to exist in centralized, where you don't want all your information being stored on a centralized database that's owned by somebody, if you're running you know, on, let's say Ethereum, well, guess what? You need real world data to have these smart contracts. One, what's the price of gold? What's all these things? Well, we don't want to get it from a centralized solution. That doesn't work. So what we do is you do what's called an Oracle. And what an Oracle is, it is a type of crypto that basically goes out and requests information, let's say from the price of gold, sends it out to 15 different sources, takes those 15 sources in, mixes them, scrambles them, does a blended average, and then delivers that. And these oracles are decentralized cryptocurrencies and delivers those to have smart contract plays run. The most popular of these is Chainlink because you don't want centralized data going into a decentralized app or you just re ruin the whole point of nobody controlling all of your private information. And so that's why you have these oracle plays like I said, like Band or the most famous Chainlink. And guess what? The more 
that we see adoption, the more information that we need to be feeding into these smart contracts, the more use that you're going to be needing for these oracles. And to retrieve this information, you have to pay for it in that oracles coin in case chain link. And so most contracts use multiple. Cardano's actually built their own. So when it comes time for you evaluating crypto space. I hope this gave you guys some good starting examples of at least three of the categories so you can understand not everything is trying to be money. Next week, I'm going to be dialing in for you guys on the last two categories. I'm going to be going over some of my personal price predictions for you guys and how you can weight your crypto portfolio to really bring about generational wealth and get into something that your grandkids will look back that you are a legend seeing this for the rest of the world. So once again, thank you so much for tuning in to Dollars with Decker. I really look forward to you guys. Same time next week, 1230. And don't forget, all of this information will be put on the YouTube channel, which is Dollars with Decker. And give me a follow on Instagram at, at the Brian Decker. Thanks again. Stay tuned. Coming at you hot next week.